plan of the Father was absolutely clear from the birth of Jesus on that glorious night. And the plan was this, to gather the lost to His Son, Jesus Christ, in order to save, in order to deliver, in order to heal, and in order to do this for you and I. The mission that God had was clear from the very first moments of this Christmas story. Wise men, shepherds, angels, even animals weren't just drawn to a star or to prophecy or to the search for truth. They were drawn to Jesus Christ. They were gathered by God to meet Jesus and to find life in Him. Tonight I want to be preaching from Matthew chapter 2. Um, and and I'll be tying other scriptures in, but that will be the bulk of where I'll be sharing from. Reading out of the New American Translation, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Let's pause right there for a moment. So I have a question. Who were the magi? Or or who were the wise men as we we might know them? We see in scripture this, this brief reference to the wise men. But there's not a ton we know. But there's a ton that we can ascertain from historians. And and actually the the cool link between the wise men even goes back 600 years to to Daniel. Um, And so there's an awesome tie-in there. The wise men, or magi, they were educated. They were scientific men. They were astrologers. But at that time, astrology was a devout scientific study of the stars. They were Gentile. They were from the east, uh, most likely from Parthia of Persia. They adhered to a very sophisticated study of the stars. One of the descriptions of the Gentiles that I want us to grab a hold of, or of the wise men that I want us to grab a hold of, is that they were Gentiles. They were respected and influential, and who, because of their wisdom, they were utilized often in the setting in of kings in the east. This explains why the Bible says that Herod and all of Jerusalem would be troubled. And there weren't just three of them. There were most likely a posse of them. There was a crew of them rolling in. So they roll in seeking he who has been born king of the Jews. It'd be a little troubling for somebody who he himself has coined as king of the Jews. That's Herod. So why were Gentile astrologers looking for and following a star, the sign of the birth of the Jewish king? I mentioned before that 600 years prior, we look at Daniel, the prophet Daniel. We we went through a study of Daniel. And Daniel was an influential man, along with other Hebrew boys taken captive by a Babylonian empire 
but with the favor of God on his life, was elevated and promoted and was given rulership and reign. So he was very influential. So if we studied the course of Daniel, we'll see that he was in a place of authority over wise men of that region. The reason why the Magi were looking for a star, the sign of the birth of the Messiah, could very likely be that Daniel shared with these wise men his experience of encountering the angel Gabriel, who also Gabriel was later to appear to to Mary and to speak to her. So Daniel had had a similar experience 500 years ago where he spoke. And so it's, it's very likely, and at least minimum possible, but probably likely that there was a pouring in, there was a telling of stories that passed down from generation to generation to expect a sign that would tell of the coming of the Jewish king. So these men had been seeking that star. They show up. Let's continue in verse 4. Herod, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, this is the chief priests and scribes of the people, so this is Jewish religious leaders. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea. For this is what has been written by the prophet in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So we'll pause again. We see that that Herod calls together the chief priests and scribes of the Jewish people. Let's continue in verse 7. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I love that. Rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's what we should do when we talk about Jesus. Rejoice exceedingly with great joy. Let's be redundant. Let's be superfluous. Let's be exaggerative. Our God is greatly to be praised. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. I want you to notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say they came into the stable in front of the manger and saw the infant, Jesus. Right? In the nativity scenes, we all we all have them. Heck, my, my graphic has a, a little nativity scene. But we always see the wise men as part of the nativity scene. The wise men were not there at the birth of Jesus. They were not there. They didn't, you know, pass away with the shepherds. Shepherd, shepherd, shepherd. You know, wise men, wise men. They weren't there. Um, we don't know the exact uh, time. We know that it it's, couldn't have been uh, 40 days just due to certain ceremonies. So it couldn't have been, it was no sooner than 40 days, but it could have been up to two years. And we know that because Herod gave instruction. Later on, we see that he gave instruction to kill the firstborn male 
up to two years old. So it, there's a window of about a year. So Jesus was a child, not an infant. So even though it's part of our, our Christmas story, this, this doesn't demean it in any way. This doesn't make it any less just because they weren't there on that night. In fact, what we see is a dedication to seek Jesus. We see a dedication to seek him out. We see a dedication to seek out Jesus in spite of the threat of death which would come when they betrayed Herod by not coming back to him. Verse 11. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There is such wonderful and powerful symbolism and significance in those gifts that the wise men brought. Gold represents the rule and reign of Jesus Christ as king. Gold is the gift fit for a king. And although he was just a baby, Jesus was born Lord. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. He was born king. He didn't climb to anything. He was born king. Frankincense represents priesthood. Frankincense was in constant use by the priests in the temple. And Jesus was the ultimate priest who was born to make final reconciliation between God and man. And myrrh? Myrrh represents death. This was perhaps the most prophetic gift that Jesus received from the Magi. Its representation, its purpose, its use? Death. Myrrh was used to embalm the dead. The baby, born as king, was also the man born to die. In those three gifts, we see God's clarity in Jesus Christ and why he was sent to earth. In those three gifts, we see who he is, what he came to do, and what price it would cost him to accomplish that mission. In the story of the Magi, we see seekers of truth, but not just any truth, not just some random or passing truth, but the truth. Seekers of Jesus Christ. I talked about the blue-collar, uneducated shepherds at the beginning. And here in contrast, we see educated Gentile men of a different faith and upbringing who had been told that a Savior would be born and what the signs were. And then those signs appeared. And then that sign appeared. And they responded. They had the faith to believe the sign, to believe a prophecy. And they put that faith into action, traveled many miles through dangerous terrain to seek a king, the fulfillment of prophecy. 
Jeremiah 29.13 says this. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Friends, God still gives signs to people that will lead us to the truth of a loving God. God still gives signs to you and I that He asks to step out in faith and seek Him and pursue Him and trust that He is who we say He is, a loving God, giving us signs of His goodness, drawing us to Him, gathering us to His Son, Jesus Christ. When those signs appear, do you and I respond by seeking God with all our heart? When those signs appear, do you and I respond by stepping out in faith and saying, I know this sign isn't the end result. Jesus is the end result. But I'm going to use this to seek my King. He's not hiding from us. But we do need to seek Him. Sometimes what's said in Scripture doesn't tell the whole story. Sometimes what isn't said speaks volumes. Even after reading the prophesy, the prophecy of, of Micah chapter 5, and receiving the dual confirmation of the star and the arrival of the Magi, who didn't pursue and seek Jesus? The spiritual leaders. Herod gathered the spiritual leaders. He, at, he gathered the, the priests and the scribes of the people. They read him scripture and said, these are the signs that will precede the Messiah. And then didn't pursue Jesus. Didn't pursue the Messiah. They chose not to go to Bethlehem themselves. Now we can understand Herod's lack of response. He wasn't even Jewish. And he feared the discovery of a rival claim to the throne. I get it. Herod doesn't show up. Easy to understand. But Israel had waited centuries for the Messiah. The prophecies were written in their own scriptures and were being fulfilled right before their eyes. Yet they chose not to seek the Savior. And they missed the glorious event that their ancestors had prayed for, had hoped for, had believed for. Friends, if you and I aren't careful, we can miss God's glory as well. If you and I aren't careful, and we're not responsive to the stirrings of the Holy Spirit, to the movings of the Lord, we can miss His glory just as easy. if we choose to ignore the signs that point us to a good God, a loving God, who has grace and mercy and forgiveness and cleansing and power. We could miss it. Friends, when it comes to the pursuit of God, a response is needed. A pursuit is needed. When we seek God, when we look to God, 
It's not always this long, treacherous thing. Sometimes it's as simple as looking at Him, acknowledging Him, saying, Lord, I need You. Lord, I I believe in You. Lord, I accept You. Lord, I trust You. Lord, I'm walking this out. And and I've got my eyes set on You. Too often we set our eyes on other things. We set our hopes on other things. The perfect job. The perfect cottage. Uh, Other people that represent security or strength in our lives. The hope of other people. Finances. Money. Drugs. Alcohol. There's so many things that we as people can look to and not look to God. When it's as simple as looking to Him and trusting Him and trusting the plan that God had to draw us to Him. Only Jesus Christ can be our healer. In the story of the shepherds, we see seekers of truth as well. We see hardworking, uneducated, most certainly Jewish men and boys who appeared, who had angels appear to them to share the good news of the birth of a Savior. These people would most likely not have studied the prophecies. These people most likely would not have had access to to the education and the knowledge that the wise men had. But they were seekers nonetheless. In Luke chapter 19, we see the story of a short, rich, dishonest businessman who sought Jesus. It's the story of Zacchaeus. And he climbed a tree to see Jesus. Through that effort of seeking Jesus, he received an invitation from Jesus. Get down. I'm coming to your house. We're going to fellowship together. We're going to break bread together. To people's disdain. Don't they know who he is? He's dishonest. He's an unscrupulous tax collector. The word tells us that Zacchaeus right there in the midst of the crowd responded to Jesus' invitation. And it says that he he received Jesus and immediately read it in Luke 19.10. The story shows that he there was repentance and immediately saying, those that I've wronged, I'm going to make it right. And Jesus said, this man is saved. This man is is now part of the family. And then Jesus said this amazing scripture to Zacchaeus and then to the crowd in verse 10. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Friends, the purpose of Jesus Christ never changed. At His birth, His purpose was to see the lost come into Him through prophecy, through a star, through declaration of angels, through the song of heavenly hosts. And Jesus is still seeking you and I. It's not just us who seek Him. He he sought us first. He did it first. Our seeking of Him is a response to Him already seeking us. Because we're the ones that are lost. 
We're the ones in need of a Savior. We're the ones in need of a healer. Of someone to set us free from the chains of oppression and depression and addiction and death. And to give us life. Jesus did it first. He sought us out while we were lost. And he bought our salvation with his own blood and his life. He conquered death. He walked out of a borrowed tomb. Victorious. Our champion, our victor. And it is that champion that we seek. It is that champion that we celebrate. It is that champion that we honor. It is that champion, that victorious, triumphant king who conquered death and walked out of a grave that we worship. Not a baby in a manger. Not a priest standing before the Father on our behalf. Not a man who died on a cross. That cross is empty. That cross is empty. There's not a man on that cross. Our Savior conquered the cross. He went through the cross. Now, I love all the images of Christmas. I love all the songs because it had to begin. It had to begin. There had to be a starting point. The starting point was an obedient son saying yes to the will of the Father coming to this earth to pay the price for our sins. To reconcile us to the Father. To do away with the work of sin. And to live a life spotless, sinless, obedient to the Father, responsive to the Father, seeking to the Father's will, obedient to the Father's will. You know, it started there. It ends with victory and we get to rule and reign with Him. And it's not just at the second coming, it's now. In our lives, there had to be a starting point. And we all have a different story. Some of us educated and seekers of truth and enlightenment. Others, dumb as dirt, but hearts as big as the sky, still seeking Him. Our stories are all different. A lot of our stories, unfaithfulness, a wavering, a wishy-washiness. But ultimately, just a triumphant surrender to the goodness of our God.